Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good morning and welcome to Recruiting for Mamas. My name is Jennifer Powers Johnson. I have a Division I athlete. His name is Jackson Powers Johnson. He is an O-lineman and an occasional D-lineman with the University of Oregon Ducks. And on this particular episode today, we're going to be talking about four different things. The first thing we're going to talk about is uh, communication and advocacy. And we're just going to go a little bit into uh, the best way to communicate with coaches, both on your high school team and college team. Uh, we're going to talk about who the best advocate for your student athlete is and kind of what your role is in that advocacy and communication process. We're going to talk about decision making. So, uh, and in this, we're going to talk about who's on your on your team or on your core group of people that is going to help make the decision about where you may want to commit. We're going to talk about NIL information, and I'm going to walk you through NIL and kind of what NIL consists of and what you should be specifically looking for in NIL. Um, and then we're going to finish up this particular episode uh, talking through some resources that are available nationwide. Um, that I think actually are incredibly affordable and make a good companion piece to this podcast. So we're going to walk through those things and uh, recap. And as always, if anybody has any questions, you can totally reach out to me on Twitter or you can reach out to me uh, probably just via Twitter. I think this particular app has a messaging service as well because occasionally I get um, messages from parents on this app. Um, but I'm always more than happy to help and give you any sort of experience and information that I may have regarding where in the process you are. So with that in mind, let's start off with the communication. So uh, recently, I was in a situation where we were talking to uh, coaches at a high school um, after a practice, and I noticed that there were parents that come to the practice, they're watching practice, they wanna make sure their kid's doing good, they wanna have a sense of the team. But then what happens after that practice, and this doesn't happen as much in college, but it definitely happens in high school a lot, is after that practice, uh, you'll have a bunch of parents that are kind of standing around outside the locker rooms at the field or where people are kind of congregating to go out to their cars. And they'll be kind of waiting around to talk to the coaches. And a lot of times what those communications are is they're essentially talking to the coach and trying to form a relationship with the coach so that they can advocate on behalf of their child. And uh, I've seen... And when Jackson was in high school, we saw this a lot. We'd see parents who would come and talk to the coach specifically because they wanted to advocate for their child to have more playing time. And I just want to give you a heads up on here. Anytime that you're going to a coach and advocating on behalf of your uh, student athlete, that is not 
That's not good. <laughs> the person that should always be having the discussion with the coaches about their playing time, about uh, their position on the team, about uh, where they are in the depth chart should always be your athlete. Um, I think my generation uh, definitely was one in which our parents kind of put us outside and let us go play. And as we grew up, uh, we kind of noticed, whoa, we got into all sorts of crazy things that may or may not have killed us had anyone been paying attention. And so my generation tends to kind of overparent and we go around and we kind of uh, block in front of our children to make sure that all they have to do is, you know, do the thing that they need to do, but they don't have a lot of the communication pieces uh, that they probably should have. So uh, with us specifically on Jackson, anytime there was a problem with the coach Anytime there was a problem with uh, where he was relative to the team or what position he wanted to play, etc., I don't think we ever had a conversation specifically with the coach for Jackson. We weren't interested in having that conversation for him. What we did do is we definitely role-played at home if there was something he was having an issue with, and we walked him through strategies in order to have that conversation uh, we, uh, definitely role-played. We specifically talked through things that would probably be more effective when talking to a coach and things that would not be more effective. Um, but we always made our, uh, Jackson go and have those, uh, conversations with the coach. And so as I'm thinking through recruiting specifically, I know a lot of kids that definitely have gotten to high school They want to play at the next level. Their parents know they want to play at the next level. But do the coaches know that they want to play at the next level? Um, I think it's incredibly important that you actually sit down with your child and go, okay, what are our goals? And once you and your child have determined your goals, and when I say you, it's really your child has determined their goals, then what you want to do is bring the coaching staff in on that particular goal. So if you want to play at the next level, your son or daughter, if you're in a different sport, is going to have to go into that coach and have a conversation about their goals and what they want to achieve. So as we go through our progression, when we get to high school, the first thing we want to do is make the team. Now, in this day and age, I don't know that people get cut anymore on football. I think everybody and their dog can play football, but I, but there's definitely uh, freshman, sophomore, JV, and varsity play, right? So the first thing you want to do is make the sophomore the freshman sophomore team. And then from there you want to hit the JV team. And from there you want to hit varsity team. And in all those levels, you want to make sure you're getting playing time and have film, right? Uh, the truth of the matter is very rarely does anyone get offered off of film that is JV or sophomore unless they're a legacy, i.e. if you have an older brother or sister who played in that sport before and they can kind of know and coaches know your family and know that there's pedigree there. Um, But even offered when you are a sophomore freshman or on GAB, those offers tend to be like placeholders. They're not committable. Nothing can really happen on that. So if you're, if you're 
outlining your goals, you want to make sure that your coaches are absolutely positively clued in on what those goals are. Because at the end of the day, um, if they're going to tell you, oh, I don't see that happening, then that's really good information for you to know. And then you can make the next steps and determinations on that. The other thing is advocacy. Who is the best advocate for your division one, your division, your, sorry, I'm screwing this up. Who is the best advocate for your athlete? Is it you? Is it your spouse? Is it uh, the coach? No, the very best advocate that you can have specifically for your athlete is your athlete. So if they cannot go and advocate for themselves, then you have a problem. And that's something that allows you to be able to start talking to them about if you don't advocate for you, who is going to advocate for you, right? Um, And the advocacy from that particular uh, athlete should come in the form of I'm communicating with my coach, I'm letting them know what my goals are, I'm getting the feedback that I need in order to achieve those goals, I'm finding out what the steps are to become a starter, what the steps are to be higher on the depth chart, whatever that particular goal of the moment is, um, I'm, I'm communicating that with my coach and then I'm advocating for myself with my play. You cannot talk a coach into playing your kid and having that work out for your kid because your kid's play has to be their best advocacy. You can be the nicest person on the planet. You can join all the booster clubs. You can donate the most time. You can donate the most money. And at the end of the day, if your child's play isn't an advocate for them, if it's not advocating for them, then all the relationships and all the extra stuff doesn't matter. So it's really important that you sit down with your child, make sure that your child has their goals specifically in mind, and make sure they've communicated those goals with their coach. And if for some reason they can't communicate those goals with their coach, then you have a problem and there's an opportunity there to make changes. And there's an opportunity there to get better at communication. And definitely you need to explain to them that the most important person that can advocate on their behalf is in fact them. So that's just kind of what I wanted to talk about relative to communication and advocacy. The other thing is, is be aware that kids going through high school are definitely going through a ton of change. Uh, They're growing like crazy. They're sleepy all the time. They've got to handle both football and they've also got to handle uh, school and what other interests they have. And so sometimes they may come to you and give you information about a coach or about a specific uh, practice, and they may be very upset about it. Like, today was terrible. I didn't do very good. Um, This is never going to work out for me. You know, the kinds of things that happen when kids are just at the end of a very long day, and they start to really kind of doubt themselves and their abilities, and doubt their relationships with their coach, and doubt their position in the world. And what we've always said, because Jackson uh, has things that he needs to do every single day. And so sometimes we just say, oh, I'm sorry, these feelings are not real. If <laughs> if you are tired and you haven't had a good night's sleep, if you are hungry and you haven't had a good meal, then these feelings are automatically disqualified. Because uh, if you're hungry 
eat something, if you're tired, sleep. And if, if for some reason after you've fulfilled those basic human needs, you still feel this way, then let's take a moment and and discover what that possibility is. And the last thing is specifically too, occasionally your child will have possibly an injury and they will have to be on the sideline and while they're recovering from that injury. And that can be a really scary place for people as well because you're watching all the people out there and they're playing and they're practicing and they're excited about the game and someone has filled in for your kid if they're a varsity starter, right? And all of a sudden it's like, what is happening? The world went on without me. Maybe that means that the team doesn't need me. Maybe that means, and depending on the kind of communication you have with your coaches, the truth of the matter is those coaches are trying to win games. So the next man up mentality, they have to move on. They can't, everyone can't just sit around and be sad because your particular athlete is out. There's usually a game coming up. And so make sure that you've got some perspective around that. Make sure your child is communicating specifically with you about that. Feels like, Tell, you know, make sure that they're handled on that because the truth of the matter is once they're back at it, then they're going to find their place in on the team, right? But sometimes you can have these very uh, kind of negative feelings about your sport and about the coaches and about the team because you're you're standing on the sidelines. And really what you are is frustrated and struggling with the injury process. So just make sure, are these feelings real? Have you slept? Have you eaten? Uh, Are you injured? And if all those things are, you know, handled, then maybe these are real feelings. So I always say, make sure you have the ability to tell your kids, oh, we have a new standard with what is real and what is not real. And if you're hungry or tired or injured, Your feelings, in fact, may not be real. And we'll be happy to discuss them as soon as those uh, obligations are met. The next thing I want to talk about is specifically decision-making. So uh, recently, um, I would say right now we're in August of 2022. It is August 19th. A lot of kids are starting their senior seasons right now, right? And they are looking to make commitments to their college of choice. And what I've I've had some experience recently with kids making the choice and or kids not making the choice and someone else making the choice. And that that's a really difficult and fine line. Parents uh, when we when Jackson was growing up, we had season tickets to BYU. We had season tickets to Utah. Um, we had them both at the same time. So depending on who was in town and who wasn't, we would always have a football game to go to. Um, and uh, in our heads, really, we kind of had a vision for Jackson, where he would play, how cool it would be if he chose one of those universities, how fun would it be to watch him run out of the t- tunnel, run the hometown crowd. Um, and we had some feelings about that. And then the other piece of the is you grow up kind of watching storied programs, right? And so maybe you're a Notre Dame fan, maybe you're an Alabama fan. And um, those are like the storied programs that you as a fan, you know, outside 
of being a parent. I've always loved those programs. I remember one time uh, Notre Dame came in and was talking to players at Corner Canyon and Jackson had already committed to the Oregon Ducks and they were saying, Jackson, like, how committed are you? And he had said to them something along the lines of, oh, I'm totally committed. So if you're planning on offering me, don't give that scholarship offer to someone else. And he didn't come home and tell us that that day, but we were having a conversation maybe a week later and that information got out. And I was like, you told Notre Dame that you weren't interested in having an offer from them? And I was totally committed to the Ducks. Uh, (laughs) He was totally committed to the Ducks. We as a family were all committed to the Ducks. But the idea of getting a scholarship offer from Notre Dame sounded pretty sexy and pretty cool. And so it was kind of hard for us because that's such a prestigious university uh, to kind of swallow like, oh, you know, when you're committed to someone, it doesn't matter what other supermodels come down the (laughs) come down the runway. Uh, You're committed to that. And he had made that decision. Uh, So sometimes it can be very, very difficult as parents to see dream programs that you would have for your your child come and offer. And you may want to kind of go, oh, yep, that's the offer we're taking. But at the end of the day, like your kid actually has to make that decision. And so I've seen it happen to a couple of athletes recently in which the parents made the decision, the kid didn't make the decision, but the parents had kind of reasons why they thought a particular school would be best for their child. And I've yet to see any of those decisions actually work out. So I just wanted to talk about decision making real quick. And I think it's really important when you're thinking about, okay, where am I going to accept an offer? Who am I going to go with? That you have like a really good committee of people that are on your team or your athlete's team that we take input from, right? So that should probably be include uh, coaches from high school that are trusted advisors. Uh, that could come from Somebody, the parents should be on that committee. You as parents should be on that committee. Um, perhaps it is someone that he trains with or that has played ball at a, at, a, at a college one level before, and they may be part of your trusted advisor committee. And I think it's definitely important while you're making the decisions about where to commit that you are taking in the information from all those trusted advisors. But at the end of the day, and I cannot stress this enough, it's incredibly important that your kid actually makes the decision. Because here's the deal. Your kid's the one that's going to have to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning every day and go do a workout before anyone has even gotten out of bed. Uh, it's your kid that's going to have to lift the weights. It's your kid that's going to have to play the plays. It's your kid that's going to have to go on the football field and basically deal with 11 people from the other team that are trying to kill him (laughs) at any given time, right? Um, it's your kid who's going to have to handle the academics. It's your kid. You actually can't do any of it. They have to do every single play. And I think you probably get the point. So if it's, if it's a situation where 
you've got a bunch of offers and your kids leaning towards a specific offer and you didn't see that for them. You didn't have that vision for them. At the end of the day, it's their decision. They actually have to live with it. So it's really, really important. Give all your feedback, but your message to your child should be, wherever you pick, we've got you 100%. We love you 100%. We're your fans 100%. And we're going to cheer for you at 100%. So it's your choice. You make sure you make it. Because the truth is, they have to live with those decisions. And I can just tell you from experience of watching kids who uh, chose something specifically because their parents told them, this is what you're choosing. And I've yet to see those work out. And I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. But I always feel bad for those kids because I feel like they didn't get to choose what they wanted to choose. They chose what their parents wanted them to choose. So, um, definitely I feel like that's really important. Now, if you're in a situation where, One place is giving you a preferred walk-on and your kid wants to choose that. And another place is giving you a full ride and you're like, no, you're choosing the full ride. That's a slightly different dynamic. But because somebody's going to have to flip that, flip that. Oh, see, I can't find that word today. Uh, They're going to have to cover that cost. And so unless your child is willing to take on the debt of that, and that's really hard too because at 18, 17, 18, 19 years old, they don't know, they don't understand money. They don't understand uh, what goes into that. You could definitely have some more say. But if we're choosing from full ride offers at various different universities, this should be your child's choice. And even if you vehemently disagree with them regarding where they're going to choose, you got to support them. You got to support them and love them up and be their fans because the truth is they have to go and do all that work and you have to do none of it. So just wanted to touch on decision making today. I felt like that was really important. The other thing that's going on and not all anyone's talking about right now is NIL. So I wanted to take a moment and really walk you through NIL and what that means. So basically, let's talk NIL. So NIL stands for Name, Image, and Likeness. And prior to a little over a year ago, uh, an athlete could not make any money on their name, image, and likeness. So if they wanted to go home and uh, host a camp and and have a bunch of people come to the camp and pay 20 bucks for the day for the camp, and they would say, make some extra spending money for the summer, they couldn't do that. Uh, they, uh, could not, uh, if jerseys were sold with their name on the back of the jersey, they couldn't make any money. Um, there were, of course, and there always is a lot of chatter and, and a lot of rumors around schools that were giving kids cash under the table for them to come and play. Um, there's, It's so funny because I'll get on Twitter and I'll watch people react to NIL deals right now. And they'll be like, they're cheating. Uh, You know, there's been reports of quarterbacks getting $8 million to come. Or uh, the big rumor was Texas A&M has paid their uh, recruiting class $30 million to come. And I mean, if they did, good for those kids or not good for those kids. Because sometimes money uh, creates a whole new level of problems, but those aren't against the rules anymore. Um, as of 
July 1st, 2021, none of that's against the rules. And what's happened is the NC2A has waited so long and dragged their feet so long at getting the player, at letting the players make money off the fact that they play football that uh, the Supreme Court basically said, nope, you can't boss them around anymore. And so uh, if it hadn't been escalated to the Supreme Court, who knows where we'd be right now, but it was. And so now there are no rules around it. <laughs> the truth is the marketplace dictates the rules. So let's let's talk about name, image, image and liking, likeness. There's essentially um, two different ways that people are making money off name, image, and likeness. The first is collectives. So um, a collectives would be a, a company that's essentially formed, and the purpose of that company is to make sure that student athletes have the ability to make many, money off their name, image, and likeness. So at the University of Oregon, uh, that collective um, actually was kind of formed. It has former Nike executives that sit on the board of it and run it. It has uh, former student athletes at the University of um, Oregon that are involved in uh, making decisions for it. And the collective's job is to make sure that there's opportunities for the football players and frankly at Oregon, all the different sports to make money off the fact that they are a college athlete. So one of the first things that they did as a collective for the football team is they released a limited edition Nike shoe. And they released a very, very small um, amount of those. I think there was a, a only 250 um, of this particular Nike shoe uh, worldwide that were released. And so every member of the team got um, one of those Nike shoes. So out of the 250, 110 are already gone. The coaches got one, got some. So we basically have um, of the 250, roughly 150 are already spoken for. And then they took the extra 100 and of this limited edition Nike shoe and they auctioned them online. And what they did with the money is they took that money and anyone who wanted to participate in that NIL deal on the team, all the way from the quarterback to the, the last man in on walk-on, got the ability, they took that money and they split it equally to all the players on the team and everybody on the team made a certain amount of money off that shoe. And if I'm remembering correctly, that particular shoe deal made everybody on the team like $3,000. So um, we're not talking about millions of dollars there. We're not talking about, uh, you know, these deals for quarterbacks with $8 million. We're talking about $3,000. And for kids in college that are on a football team and their stipend covers like rent and food and electricity and maybe some internet, if you want walking around change, uh, a lot of times these little NIL deals, you want an extra hamburger or whatever, are going to give you that small chunk of change that is going to make it so there's less stress in your student athlete's budget for a period of time. So that's kind of like the basic kind of NIL deal. Now, 
does everyone do that? The University of Oregon, it was very important to them that everybody on the team was able to participate in that. But not all collectives are the same. Um, I know it has been reported in Texas that Texas Tech now is going to have basically a standard contract that their collective is going to pay every member of the uh, every scholarship member of the team and I think it was something like $25,000 for the year. So not only would they get their uh tuition, their books, um their stipend, but they'll also get an extra $25,000 per year or $24,000 per year. And that would give each kid in the room another $2,000 a year that they could used to make being a college athlete easier. Collectives are basically these groups of people who have come together and they usually are alumni of the particular school or boosters of a particular school and they've decided we want to add an additional incentive to our players to come to the University of XYZ in order for us to be able to try and win championships because now that NIL is a thing and everyone above the board and uh you know on top of the table can uh participate in this without getting any sort of trouble and of course there was always rumors that was this is going on under the table and I certainly know of no specific instances of that, but that's kind of the chatter and the rumor and the innuendo. That now that everything's above board, you will have recruits that are like, oh, okay, these are my top five schools or these are my top three schools. And when I go to visit those schools and where I start having those uh, those conversations with those schools, I want to know like what is the NIL deal that I could possibly be walking into. And so... What you saw is you saw colleges that were either prepared for this in advance and ready to go, Oregon being very like proactive on that, and some that were like, what? We never thought this would go through. We're not prepared. We have no idea. And then even others that don't have that fan base or don't have that alumni booster donation part of their program. So not all colleges in the U.S. are having anything to do with NIL because they're just barely able to fund their football team. They're not looking at giving bonuses to players for coming and choosing them. So you're going to want to kind of be aware of what the NIL situation is at the particular school that you're looking for, uh, looking at, but also like Money can cause all sorts of problems. So be, you know, too much money can be a problem in the locker room. Um, so I basically covered collectives. I've talked to you through a basic kind of NIL deal with that shoe situation where they created kind of a limited opportunity. The other way that you can participate in NIL is if you have a specific business that likes your player specifically or and so they want to do some sort of kind of a specific NIL deal with your players. So uh for example, Jackson goes to the University of Oregon. Uh it's located in Eugene. Eugene has a restaurant um called Elkhorn Brewery and it's kind of like on the main drag where the university is it's uh kind of a hot spot for locals 
and uh, Jackson uh, got to know the owner and the manager of that particular restaurant and uh, kind of on his own started promoting them um, as a great place to go and eat. And what ended up happening is uh, the owner basically approached Jackson and said, listen, we would like to name a burger after you. So let's do a collaboration and we'll create a burger for you. So he went and sat down with the ownership and talked through the kind of food that he likes and they created a burger that is specifically for Jackson. It's the Big Jack's Burger. It is on the menu. People can go in and order that. Um, And so Jackson did. Occasionally, we'll go in there on a Sunday during the season and have his Big Jack's burger and answer questions from other people that happen to be at the brewery that day. Sometimes he brings in other members of the team. And so you know that if you go to the Elkhorn Brewery, sometimes there's going to be football players there and you may be able to get a picture or get an autograph. And it's really good for Elkhorn because people are coming in and ordering the Big Jack's burger. They know they can kind of come and hobnob with the team. And Jackson loves it because he's got a burger named after him. He gets kind of free food and a small stipend that the uh, the restaurant gives to him because he is promoting the Big Jack's burger Um, which is basically a burger based on his name, his image, and his likeness. So that's another kind of NIL deal. Um, I know I've heard of heating and air conditioning companies uh, sponsoring kids. And uh, uh, last year, you had Kayvon Thibodeau, who signed an NIL deal with, I believe it was Alaska Airlines or United Airlines, an airline in which they paid him $400,000 to be a spokesman for their airline in the area because they're big in the Northwest. So those are kind of your very specific NIL deals that could happen. And then sometimes there's like a package. And these are the ones that are probably being reported on the most. And these are the ones that people are probably getting the most up in arms about. And those are when, oh, come here and over the period of four years, we're going to guarantee you a payout of $5 million or $8 million. Or, and it's generally for recruits that are like top 10 in the nation. They have a skill set that really... Uh, large universities with big budgets believe that that's what they need in order to win a national championship because no one's giving you these NIL deals because they think you're a nice person. They're doing it because it's uh, they want to guarantee as far as they possibly can that a team that they like is going to be able to win a national championship. And so supposedly they're offering these huge amounts to athletes to come and play for them. The The problem is, is a lot of these deals that have been reported are for high school kids. They've never played a down of football. Uh, they don't know even yet what they don't know. Like I can, like when we were getting recruited, we had this idea of what college football was, but the reality of what college football was were very different things, right? Uh, when you're being recruited, you're being sold, and they want to show you all the best parts. But the truth is, everything has a giant price tag. It's not like 
they're not earning every single dollar of that scholarship money um, and, you know, their stipend with the amount of actual physical hard work and mental hard work they have to do every day. So uh, the market is basically dictating this and there, there's these big packages out there. Um, those um, really show you the difference between the schools that have a lot of money and the schools that don't have a lot of money. I can tell you, depending on the leadership of those collectives, sometimes that is money that is wasted. Um, also, there, you know, a package, if it's not in writing, isn't a package. In fact, nothing NIL deal is real unless it's in writing. Because uh, here's the deal on that, too. Unlike your scholarship and your stipend benefits, anything NIL related over $400 is taxable income. So you're going to have to file taxes. The kid's going to have to file taxes. They're going to have to pay federal taxes. Everything that comes in on uh, NIL deal is basically like a self-employment 1099 thing. And the U.S. has a tax on people who are self-employed over a certain dollar figure and that means that you not only pay federal tax on it, but you pay an extra 15.3% on that money. And then your state taxes on top of that. So it's really, really important um, that if you do have a child that is being offered an NIL, that you are aware that they're not going to take taxes out of that. So you make sure you have a plan in place for how taxes are going to be handled on that money because they are going to get 1099 at the end of the year and that 1099 is absolutely going to be given to the IRS. So there's going to be um, essentially an audit slash reckoning of that at the, at the end of the year. Um, so make sure you're aware of that and that's what's happening. Last but not least, don't believe everything you hear. Um, we've heard overwhelmingly that a lot of schools have promised very large NILs, but uh, not all of them are keeping their promises because a lot of times it was never in writing in the first place. So a kid will pick XYZ uh, school, they'll go, show up at school, and then all these promised NIL deals never materialize. So be aware that not everything you're hearing out there is entirely real as well. And last but not least on this particular podcast, let's talk about a resource that I recently encountered. So um, there is a gentleman on Twitter. His name is Moose Bingham. You can follow him at Moose B, M-O-O-S-E-B, as in boy, 90. Uh, Moose has quite a pedigree. He played college football. He also has been a director of recruiting uh, before as well. And he has a website that's called Football Recruiting Pro, but you can actually go to at FB for football recruiting pro, pro.com. And this particular site is really great because you can actually sign up kind of like you would Netflix or uh, Hulu or Amazon for only $10.97 a month. And what that does is give you essentially everything that I've talked about in this podcast, as well as the ability to discuss directly with Moose um, 
things like where your film is, right? So there's actually places in the software. It basically has, a, it's like a course. Think of it as an online course. You go through and you do week one and you fill, do all the information week two. And all that course material is designed to basically do the same thing that I'm doing from an audio platform uh, in recruiting. Walk you through all of that. It'll give you the ability to see where you are on your height, on your measurements for your specific position. It'll give you the ability to look at your film versus looking at other Division I film and, uh, and see how your film compares up. And it's a whopping nine, uh, sorry, $10.97 a month. And you can quit at any time. So I recently had a parent reach out to me uh, from back east. And they were like, Is, do you have all these materials written down somewhere? And I had to say, no, I don't actually have them written down anywhere. But I know about this guy. And um, Moose actually gave me uh, the ability to look at that site. And basically, it's the perfect companion piece uh, to all the podcasts that I'm doing with all the written documentation, there's videos on there that kind of walk you through the same thing I'm walking through. Um, and it's a really good value. And I, I love the price tag. A lot of times I've seen kids pay $1,500 to get uh, someone to tweet out their stuff and, and take film of them. And they end up, you should not have to spend the kind of money that you could actually pay for your kid to go to school to get a scholarship, right? So if it's not affordable, I'm not somebody that's going to recommend it. And if it was a big commitment, uh, I'm not going to be someone who recommends it. But I've looked at this site and for $10.97 a month, I think it is a really good value. So that's FB for football, recruiting pro, fbrecruitingpro.com. And if you want to follow the owner of that online, it's Moose Bingham and his Twitter sign is at MooseB.90 and he is really good. If you want to reach out to him on a private message um, and ask him any questions, he is happy to engage. He's happy. Uh, I think he has the ability to review film at, for you and give you feedback on that film. I don't know if that's included in the $10.97 price, but he's very affordable. And this is someone who's working with every college program across the country. He knows all the coaches. He knows uh, specifically, generally what they're looking for. Colleges um, work with him to uh, evaluate their talent. So uh, this is a really good resource for you. Um, so if you want to use it, go ahead and use it. All right. So just to recap what we talked about today, communication and advocacy. Is your child communicating? Does your child, has your child told the coaches, this is what I want. How do I get there? And have the coaches communicated back to your child this is what you need to do X, Y, and Z to get there or even come up with a plan, the first couple of steps of a plan. Um, are you aware of those communications? Um, second, advocacy. Who is the best advocate for your child? That would be your child. Who's going to stand around and talk to coaches after practice and say, oh, we hope they get more playing time? Not us because we know better, right? <laughs> okay, communication. Child needs to communicate. Advocacy, child needs to advocate, okay? Decision-making, 
Who makes the ultimate decision about where they're going to go play college football? Your child. That seems to be the, the theme today. The answer is your kid. Um, and then NIL, we talked through that. What's the most important thing to realize about NIL? You want to know what the plan is at the university you may be going to. And what is your plan if your child makes NIL about saving the money that needs to be saved in order to put it aside for taxes, right? Because NIL is taxable. And last but not least, resources, fbrecruitingpro.com. And if you want to follow the uh, site builder on that, that's Moose Bingham. And it's at Moose, M-O-S-S, no, <laughs> at Moose, M-O-O-S-E, capital B, 90. And that's where you would find him and he would be more than happy to help you. All right, guys, this is this on this podcast. I'll release another one when I have something to say. Appreciate y'all. Thanks. Bye-bye.